everybody. Welcome back to Looking for the Real God. This is Christy Lynn Wood. This is the beginning of season seven, and we are going to be kicking off this season by taking a look at how the fringe has become mainstream within the evangelical culture and why that's a problem. Welcome back to Looking for the Real God. I am super pumped to be back here with you guys and starting season seven. Go figure. I had no idea when I started this podcast back in 2019 that I would still be going strong like this. This is so much fun. So this season, we're going to be kind of diving into my story again because I've done 120 something episodes. I don't expect that some of my followers now have gone back and listened to those beginning episodes and Honestly, I'm, uh, you know, if you didn't, that's okay. I didn't really know what I was doing back then, and it's a little funny to listen to. But I told a lot of my story in the beginning of those first few seasons. So even if you just want to look at just like the first few episodes of each season, that will kind of tell my story. Those of you who don't know, I was raised in a Christian cult. I spent a decade, most of the 90s, in Bill Gothard's Institute in Basic Life Principles Homeschool Program, Advanced Training Institute. And so we were sheltered away from the normal society of the world, even worldly Christians. We hung out with people that were like us, that followed the same rules, had the same standards, that looked like us, dressed like us, talked like us, didn't do the things that we didn't do, etc. And I met Jesus in the middle of all of that, crazily enough. Getting to know him is what drew me out of all of that mess. And here I am, 20-some years later, having deconstructed and reconstructed my faith multiple times and looking at the evangelical Christian culture that we have right now and thinking, yikes, this looks very familiar. So that's kind of what this season is going to be about, at least the beginning of this season, is just taking a look back once again at the experiences that I had in my teens and early 20s in this evangelical cult And then looking at how the fringe is becoming mainstream in ways that really make me nervous and concerned. This episode is kind of just the introduction to all of that, why we're doing this. And then I will, the next week and the weeks to follow, kind of jump into certain topics that I'm kind of seeing a concerning trend in, and then we'll go from there. So I kind of came out of all the crazy cult stuff starting in about 2002, as I went to summer camp for the first time and discovered that worldly Christians were actually lovers of Jesus and full of grace and acceptance of me, even though I was like super weird and awkward. I got my cartilage piercing at that point, kind of as a symbol of my newfound freedom, and eventually went to college and just kind of slowly stepped away from the extra standards and things that I had held onto, even after I rejected the teachings of Bill Gothard. So a few years after that, probably like four to five years as I had stepped away from all of this, the Duggar family arrived on the scene, thanks to TLC. And I instantly recognized them. I didn't know them personally, but I recognized these kinds of families because I had spent a decade growing up with these kinds of people. And my family had always been on the fringe of everything. We were not diehard Gothardites. My dad was a public school teacher, so he was always like a little bit edgy compared to everybody else. And he never really totally agreed with all the stuff that they were pushing. And even as I talked to him recently, have discovered even more ways that he was pushing back within the church that we were a part of 
probably the whole time we were there, basically. So he was always kind of one of those edgy people within that system. But some of the families that I knew and some of my friends that belonged to these families, they were the Duggars. I mean, they weren't the Duggars, but they were the Duggars. And so looking at this family who's now on national TV and parading around like they are the best thing in the world and that everybody should be like them and follow them was just horrifying to me because I knew behind the scenes. Like I knew what was really going on. I understood why they were doing the things that they were doing. And I knew that a lot of the stuff they were saying wasn't really true. So I felt very angry, very frustrated, very concerned. Um, I really couldn't stand even like watching their show. It was so triggering. And I look at it now and I look back on some of those first early episodes. And I mean, it's obvious why it was triggering. Like I literally had lived it and had just gotten out of it. But people in the normal modern day culture looked at it and thought it was such a sweet show. It was so heartwarming and innocent and sweet and kind. And Oh, look at these kids. They're so nice. And people saw this sweet family of obedient children, but I had been behind the scenes and I knew how that obedience happened. I had been firsthand witness to Mike and Debbie Pearl's books and the things that they were preaching and the way these children were treated in order to get the obedience that you saw on TV. And people saw a soft-spoken mother. Mrs. Duggar was so kind and sweet and listened to her voice. She's so gentle. But I had been behind the scenes and I knew what it was like to be forced into a mold of acceptable femininity. And I knew that my natural personality didn't fit. I knew what it was like to change my voice for three years while I was at our first crazy church in Flint trying to be acceptable, trying to be a godly woman and not speak in the loud and lower voice that I have. I was speaking in a soft, quiet, high voice like this, which is creepy because when you watch the FLDS documentary on Netflix, that's how the women speak. So it's not even just just Gothard's cult or the FLDS cult. Like This is across the board, them wanting to act and make women act like this. People saw these happy kids and happy teens helping with chores and helping with their siblings. And they thought, oh, it's so sweet. They're such such a loving family. But I had been behind the scenes and I knew these kids didn't have a choice and that they had been brainwashed to believe that their way of life was right and the only right way, the only good way. And I knew that if they wanted to get out, they probably didn't have a choice. They didn't have an option, especially the girls. Because I had friends who were the oldest of many kids and they were there to take care of the children that their mother continued to produce because she couldn't, because she was mentally struggling, because she was exhausted, because her body didn't work anymore, because she had produced 12 children. And I knew behind the scenes that it wasn't all roses and happiness. I knew that there was a lot of devastation and destruction and lies. Why am I saying this? Because as I look at certain elements of our evangelical culture right now, the fringe has become mainstream in many ways. And things that I experienced growing up in my Christian cult are now being spewed from the mouths of people who look quote unquote normal. This is a problem. When we were in the cult in the 90s, we had to actually know people to try to influence them. So our poor neighbors and our family members and people that we ran into at the grocery store and all these people, these real people in our real lives, we would try to influence and change. But there wasn't the social media aspect that we have nowadays. 
There wasn't this ability to get your words and your views and your thoughts and the pictures of your life out there. And I feel like this is a huge part of why the fringe is becoming mainstream, why these ideas are becoming accepted in normal, regular circumstances. Back in the cult days, if you had wanted to be like us, like we could tell what you looked like because you wore the right clothes. You dressed a certain modest way. And so I would literally say to my mom, look at that family over there as we're traveling. Like, I think they must be an ATI. And, you know, maybe they were, maybe they were Mormons, or maybe they were some other kind of very conservative group of people. But it was obvious, like we looked similar to one another. And we looked strange to the normal people out in the world. Normal Christians and normal churches, we stood out from them. The problem with this fringe that's becoming mainstream these days is people look normal. People look familiar. They don't look extreme. They don't look like they're out there. And yet the things that they're saying and the ideas that they're promoting are in fact very dangerous and not healthy. They're not a healthy way of thinking or of looking at things. And so I am concerned. I am concerned for the state of our church and for the state of evangelical Christianity, just based on some of the things that I'm seeing. When you look at social media, I, I, I literally am still triggered by some of these people. I'll accidentally come across some somebody's post, somebody's feed, and you know they're people with dresses and super long hair, and they're promoting their homeschooling way of life, and they're very natural, and they have all these like things that you can and can't do. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't handle it, can't handle it, you know. And I'm and I'm running away. But the truth of the matter is, they're out there, and people can follow that and be like, it's so sweet, it's so great, it's so wonderful, and it looks sweet and great and wonderful. And I honestly, if you want to live like that and you're not telling everybody else that you have to also live like that and you don't think that you're above everybody else because you are living like that, whatever, like that's your choice. Fantastic. But if you are doing things because you think you have to do a certain way or because you are right and everyone else is wrong, I'm concerned. If you think that the standards you are following are making you closer to God, and you think you're better than the worldly people around you, I'm going to be concerned. If you feel trapped in a way of life that you don't really enjoy, but you feel like you have to be there because that's what the church or the prophet or whatever is saying, I'm going to be concerned. I've lived it. And I know what freedom in Jesus Christ really looks like. So that's what the season's going to be about. We're going to jump into some of this stuff. And I have a list. I have a list that I'm going to kind of go off of. And I'm curious if you have things that you're seeing that you maybe have experienced back in your own day in religious Christianity that you're like, hey, this is scary and dangerous. Let me know. We'll talk about it. So here's some things that I'm thinking about as I begin this season. I see this emphasis on homeschooling from normal looking people saying that the world is evil, public school is evil, and all this stuff. That homeschooling is the only way to go if you actually care about your kids. Homeschooling is the only way to go if you actually care about God, if you care about the state of our world. And this it's kind of this fear-based, which that's going to be the theme. You're going to discover this, this fear-based view of life and school and the world. And somehow we're going to protect our children from all of this by homeschooling them. And if you don't do that, then you obviously don't care about your kids or whatever. Guys, homeschooling is great. I have no problem with people who choose to homeschool. As long as your motivation is that I want to homeschool because I think it's fun or I think it's best for my kids or I think whatever. But the minute you start doing something out of fear, the minute you start doing something and decide that that's the only way you can do it, it's the only right way and everybody else is wrong, red flags. And we'll talk about that. We're going to talk about 
the focus on family and the family unit, family team that I see that frankly is pretty terrifying to me. Because back in the cult days, there was a huge emphasis on family. The family was the most important thing, and you had to preserve the family and protect the family at all costs. Unfortunately, when you hold your children so close and you smother them, the opposite of what you want to happen happens, and your kids are going to rebel and run away and find the world anyway. And I'm concerned about this. I'm concerned about people that are so afraid of the world that they feel like they have to just hide and protect their family. I'm afraid of the family becoming this idol. It's idolatry, guys. And I see some people in the Christian community and even people that I used to respect who are just so fixated on this idea of family and protecting the family and making the family the most important thing. And I'm worried for them. I'm concerned. We tried that and it didn't go well. You can ask many brokenhearted parents whose kids don't want to even talk to them anymore because of what happened in their protected little sphere of control. It's not going to work. It's never going to work. I'm concerned about this gender role thing and how it's becoming, once again, like I said, mainstream of like men are this way and women are that way. And it's not, it's not something new. This has been around. It just continues to cycle around and around and around. And we don't make space for differences. And we don't make space for truth, equality, and just letting people be who they are and who God's made them to be. So that's something we'll talk about. And I talked about protection, this overprotection of our kids. It doesn't work. It's never worked. It's better to prepare them for the world. It's better to prepare them to be people who can live in it successfully than to protect them from everything you think is going to harm them. The world's always been broken. It will continue to be broken until Jesus comes back. The idea that we can change culture and control morality with our laws and our governments. And we talked about this in my very last episode about Christian nationality. Like, this is concerning to me. And ultimately, it comes down to this religious attitude. This attitude that says, I'm doing these things to make me a better person. I'm right and you are wrong. Guys, all of that is stuff that I've done. I've been there, done that, lived it. It doesn't work doesn't work. The only thing that works is getting to know Jesus, learning to trust him and follow him and love him and get to the place where we are willing to allow him to be who he is in our lives, to change us from the inside out, to just rest in the brokenness of this world, stop trying to fix it, trying to protect ourselves from it. Just live in the kingdom, live in the world like Jesus did with the real people of the world and yet live in a way that we know this world isn't our home. So that's how the season is going to go, at least the first few episodes of the season. Just as I look around the state of our world, state of our church, and just hopefully pull ourselves back to Jesus. We'll talk about these things. We'll talk about where they come from and why we're so quick to gravitate towards this way of thinking because we are, this is who we are as natural people, naturally religious as broken people. And yet also talk about How can we point ourselves and all those around us back to Jesus, who really is the only true hope, the way, the truth, and the life? Thanks for listening, guys. Until next time, keep searching. If you enjoyed this podcast, I would love to have you join me over on my website at christylynnwood.com. 
For more content, free resources, and opportunities to connect with a community of people who are looking for the real God.